0: This is Pucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome to Pucks and Bolts, an Odyssey original podcast analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning and their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty in Tampa Bay as a hockey town. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of games and practices as well as storylines of your favorite players and coaches multiple times a week. So the best way to keep up to date on all of the excitement, especially this playoff run, is to download the Odyssey app. Search Pucks and Bolts, hit that auto-download button so that all brand-new episodes are just sitting there waiting for you to listen so that you can cheer on your team. Whether you're going to the home games or whether you're watching the away games, however you're supporting the Tampa Bay Lightning, the best way to do it is through Pucks and Bolts app odyssey i am your host casey hudson and it's time to dive into a brand new episode of pucks and bolts and where we'll start the breakout We know after a big Game 1, especially with the Lightning pulling off a Game 1 on the road in such form and fashion with a 7-3 win, there were some injuries that took place in that second period where we didn't see guys return in the third period. All eyes were on morning skate to see what the injury update would appear to be. While there was glimmers of hope as Victor Hedman did skate with the team prior to uh, last night's Game 2, uh, he was a game-time decision. Uh, Mikey Acemont and Eric Ternak were already ruled out because they have head injuries, leading you know conversations mm-hmm. to revolve around concussions and concussion protocols. So they were not uh, – Eric Ternak was not a part of Morning Skate. Mikey Acemont was out there, which was a good sign. And Tanner Janot continued to skate with the team in practice as well. So with the game-time decisions of Tanner Janot – and Victor Hedman. Moments before warm-ups, we found out that Victor Hedman was not going to participate and play in game two. But then we found out that Tanner Janot was a go. So that's kind of probably the silver lining in all this, to know that we saw a nasty or what looked to be a very nasty injury uh, from Tanner Janot versus the Islanders back on April 11th, I believe it was. And a lot of people were saying it'd be a miracle to see him skating again let alone to see him back in practice as early as he was, even though his first practice back wasn't a full practice, but to see him even skating again after that and then to re-debut versus this tough Toronto Maple Leafs team to help his team out for game two uh, was tremendous. So I think this is something that should give Bolts fans still a lot of hope. Uh, Tangeno brings a physical element to the game that's very needed, especially against a team like Toronto. That physicality can help slow down such a fast-paced team. Uh, Victor Hedman officially became listed day to day and that's kind of where the concern lies and where we'll pick up uh, for the most part the biggest questions now it's an undisclosed injury they're not saying what it is how he really accumulated it Um, he was kind of skating pretty well in morning skate in my opinion from the videos and everything that I saw it definitely insinuated a lot of hope that he might be able to play Um, but if you guys know anything about Victor Hedman his career his his ability to just push through and overcome adversity, you know that if there was any chance of him being able to skate and deliver to any capacity last night, he would have been in that lineup. So the questionable injury does raise some eyebrows. Um, Him being listed day-to-day could also be a precautionary thing. We know that Coach Cooper is really smart when it comes to holding these guys out in the right times and the right moments. And while Game 2 would have been phenomenal for this team to win – It wasn't particularly necessary. Uh, A bigger goal here was to split the ice, was to be able to at least come away with a win in Toronto, and that's something that the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to do. Um, Eric Chernak, now while he is listed with the head injury, he did not participate in morning skate, which might also raise some question marks as to the extent of anything else he may be feeling. We know concussion protocol has to clear these guys before they can hit the ice again, to see Mikey Acemott participate in mooringscape but no Eric Chernak, we know that this has probably been a heavy year on Chernak's body. Um, a lot of injuries, probably the most games he's ever missed in his NHL career, that's for sure. So my biggest concern and my biggest hope is that there's nothing more to Eric Chernak's injury after he went down. He definitely looked probably the most shaken up we've seen him all season. So just keep that thought in mind that the Tampa Bay Lightning may be having to make further adjustments without their two top defensemen that really play a huge role in their success and in their ability to move forward. Now with that being in the breakout, there were a lot of question marks on how are the Tampa Bay Lightning going to adjust without these two defensemen? Uh, Mikey A.C. Mott, before Tanner Janot got injured, was a consistent scratch after they gave him a few games to see where his level lies. So I'm not sure that we'll be seeing him thrown him back into the lineup anytime soon, as long as Tanner Janot's health really is stable and able to continue through playoffs. Uh, outside of that, though... You've got the question mark of can this team continue to just play with six defensemen? Fleury and Bogosian obviously got that third deep pairing role, and it wasn't too bad. As we get into the game, though, we'll see you guys' thoughts. So, moving out of the breakout into the game to break down. Game two was basically a blueprint of Game one, but with a different victor on top. The Maple Leafs take Game two in a seven-two victory, and. If you were a Lightning fan, it was definitely tough to watch. Now, we're not going to sit here and go in on the crutch that we were down Victor Hedman, we were down Eric Turnak, Mikey A.C. and all of these things. Um, coach Cooper's not the kind of coach to lay out those kinds of excuses, but I will throw you two of his quotes in yesterday's postgame press conference. For starters, it's a seven-game series. Not a one-and-done will be fine. So for a locker room that we know is very – composed and calculated and calm and does not really lean into any sort of panic never early on and never when everybody else is panicking. That's for sure. This is, of course, is a great statement just to know that this is a very level headed team and no matter how, Bad things tend to look or scenarios tend to play out. It's never the mental picture for these guys or never where they're residing mentally. So that's where Coach Cooper opens up things in the postgame yesterday. And a more important statement from Coach Cooper is this. Just look at last year's series. It's the exact same. Just flip it. And now we're going to be back in Tampa. It's not because one guy was out. That would just be poor, poor excuse, which is true. Whether you lose your top defenseman versus a tough team or not, we know that this is a team that's always been able to play and against adversity, overcome obstacles, and play down superstars like Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, and the list goes on. So when we get into last night's game, it opened up, again, very similar fashion to Monday night's victory for the Bolts. Not even seconds into the first period in this game two tilt, it was a poor – Penalty that ends up coming about from Ian Cole sending the Toronto Maple Leafs on a very early power play. And you cannot put a team that has a pretty good, probably top two in the league power play on so early to give them a scoring chance. And that's exactly what happened. The Maple Leafs capitalized on that first power play opportunity. Mitch Marner, uh, making some history for himself in the playoffs, executed that goal uh, very smoothly. So the Maple Leafs take a very early 1-0 lead. Now, say this. We've seen the Tampa Bay Lightning when they don't get a chance to get into their structure, and sometimes that happens one of, I'll say, two ways specifically. It's when a team comes out with a lot of speed and it takes them a minute to get adjusted and acclimated to their pace and they're not able to set up their structure Or it's whenever a lot of special teams get involved or special teams happen fresh out the gate that the Lightning struggle to implement their structure and force a team to play their style. So without Eric Chernak and Victor Hedman and all that conversation aside, opening up on a power play against one of the top power play teams in the league is going to definitely mentally throw you out of your structure and force you to be on your heels with your tail between your legs quite early. Now, the Lightning's response was actually quite good for what we typically see. Uh, they started to really load up shots on goal opportunities and put Samson off to work. I mean, at one point, maybe five uh, to 10 minutes into the first period, you saw the lightning with seven shots on goal to the Maple Leafs one shot on goal. And that one shot on goal, obviously being executed by Mitch Marner. So no flags were really risen at that moment. You did kind of see some deer and headlight moments from the team. You could see that they were probably trying to think two steps ahead. And you can see, obviously, where the defense was lacking. Um, Fleury and Boghossian, I think did a pretty stellar job for the roles that they were uh, required to play in and be in, but where you see the biggest difference in, Uh, Bogosian and a Flurry being on the ice versus an Eric Tarnak and a Victor Hedman is that when you're playing a speedy team like the Maple Leafs, you got to have defensemen that have the endurance and the vision to track back and to really play a sticky coverage on top of add the physicality. Bogosian has the physicality. He's one of the strongest guys, I swear it. Uh, Flurry is still kind of finding his footing and his identity in this Lightning roster. So to not have two guys that really know what their strong suits are, be able to apply pressure back there from the Maple Leafs, That's where that was extremely felt and where it was extremely obvious. More importantly, especially on the PK, you can't go into this game and give them penalty or power play opportunities and rack up penalties when you don't have two of your top penalty kill guys out there, or in Eric Turnak's case, a guy who blocks the most shots on the lightning roster. That's where you really saw the difference in not having an Eric Ternak in the lineup. So even though the lightning continued to push throughout that first period And still just kind of went downhill from there, in the words of our good friends, Newfound Glory. If you know the song, listen to it. It'll get you amped up, that's for sure. But, you know, for the blueprint version of how this all played out, Toronto Maple Leafs end up pulling off three goals, closing out the first period, 3 and oh. Now, they picked up three more goals in the second period, something we saw in Game 1, and they closed the door on the Lightning with one final goal in that third period. Now, when the Bulls came back on the ice in the second period, things started to look a bit better. It looked like they kind of composed themselves and got out of their heads and realized, okay, they have a job and a task at hand that they have to accomplish, regardless of the conversation of missing top guys. Now, when they came back out, they really did bring it to the Toronto Maple Leafs. One thing you have to do is always give credit where credit's due, and Samsonov had a hell of a game last night. He made some big saves, really kind of closing the door on the Lightning and any of their chances. Because when the Bolts went on the power play, Nikita Kucherov had a great look. Braden Point had a great look. It was just really hard for these guys to seal the deal. And even on even strength, there were some nice setups. Another big shout out to Darren Radish, who joined this team uh, just moments after the trade deadline, playing huge minutes and stepping in there. With them being short in defensemen, he's on that second power play unit, and he's doing very well, anchoring some great opportunities for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Nick Perbix, we saw great strides out of him. In game one, his ability to stretch the ice and uh, you know, put pucks on tape, he does so well with that, but we know that he's a very smart guy. So seeing these younger defensemen step up as they're required to do, that should kind of put a lot of people's minds at ease, right? Um, so glimmers of hope that we saw in the second period, we saw a lot more composure. We saw the Lightning kind of creating space for their game a little more, but there were some bad passes, unfortunate turnovers. I will say the Tampa, the Toronto Maple leaves made it a point to make sure that they were not losing in the middle of the ice in game two. And then the Maple leaves, of course, as I mentioned, pick up three more goals, but it was Ian Cole, ironically enough, who had some significant penalties also was the one that put the Tampa Bay lightning back in this game, picking up a goal in that second period. And it was beautiful, a nice, patient, very well-executed backhand, and made it a 3-1 game. At this point, you could feel that the Tampa Bay Lightning had a chance before that door closed. So there was still breathing room, and there was still hope, and then everything just went to shit as it fell apart through penalties. Now, the Lightning racked up over 49 penalty minutes, I want to say, while the Toronto Maple Leafs stayed in the 20-minute mark. And some of those penalties were awful calls, and some of them were just silly penalties that felt more emotional and unnecessary than anything else. The bolts also picked up the hits, the physicality. They really tried to wear down the Maple Leafs. As I mentioned earlier in this segment, one of the best ways to minimize or slow guys down when you know it's a very fast team is to pick things up physically, kind of tire them out. Uh, they They laid 52 hits on the Toronto Maple Leafs compared to the Leafs' 41 hits, another statistic that was completely flipped on Monday. And then we talked about this a couple of times, and I got a chance to break it down in a preview here in Tampa Bay on the news outlets, that last year's series versus the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Bolts did not win in the face-off circle in any of the seven games, something that would be a huge asset to them and give them a little bit of an advantage versus a tough team. In that first period, things did not look good in the face-off circle, to say the least. Somehow, though, the Bolts ended up, Matching the Leafs for 32 face off wins apiece, which was tremendous, but still, the face offs that they did not win last night, the Maple Leafs were able to execute off of. One Maple Leaf in particular would be Captain John Tavares. Um, Tavares ended up pulling off a hat trick last night and making Maple Leafs history, another guy to do so last night. And that came from the face off circle. As soon as he won that puck, he ripped the shot and landed a goal. And they created those chances for themselves on numerous occasions. So, while the Lightning were able to pick things up in the circle and match the maple leaves, it's going to be key for them to try to figure out a way to kind of edge them out in the face-off circle. Anthony Cirelli's kind of been struggling there. Um, Nick Paul was somebody that we saw in the circle a lot, trying to help out. Bellomare was one of their guys that would come in. Stamkos, obviously, probably one of their most consistent guys in the face-off circle. But success does start in the circle, and that would help position the Bolts um, to – manage the puck way better and give themselves chances. Uh, I will say this. I can't wait to see what the statistics are, and I'll post it on Pucks and Bolts, but statistically, we'll see how the on-man rushes played out from last night um, because the Bolts were able to keep up with the Leaf speed. They were able to kind of work with them and not get outplayed too much. It's not like you just saw this disgraceful game where it was odd man rush after odd man rush after odd man rush. There was a lot of even tilt on the ice going back and forth. And in game one, the Bolts actually outrushed them. They had seven odd man rushes to the Maple Leafs one. So a statistic that I obsess over that I'll probably end up posting later. Um, Heading into that third period, penalties just continued to rack up. Things got a little ugly. We saw some nice fights though. And in all of that, you see guys just going to the penalty box one after the other, after the other, but Corey Perry ends up picking up a goal for the Tampa Bay lightning at that point. Not that it felt too late, but I think there was about 6:59 left in the third period. And the clock was just continuing to dwindle down. Um, regardless of the Bulls' power play chances, it was the Toronto Maple leaves with six power play opportunities, converting two uh, goals off of those. So, the bigger factor for the Toronto Maple Leafs, where they stepped up, we knew that they were going to come into this game playing a hard nosed game of hockey. Um, we also know that they were going to do everything they can possible. There were some line change ups, and one of my favorite lines is that somebody asked Coach Cooper after the game, "What was her? What was his thoughts?" About them putting Ryan O'Reilly on the, to center on the third line, and if that completely changed the tone. And Coach Cooper basically just said, "Look, I'm not paying attention to that stuff, but take I'll take points, Sorelli, and Paul any day uh, on the center as a center on any of these lines over anybody in the league." And that just goes to show that whatever changes the Toronto Maple Leafs get made yesterday for Game Two, obviously with Bunton being out being a crucial part of that, it's not going to change or get in the Lightning's head by any means. Or any manner. A guy that came up huge for the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday, besides Sam Sanoff, besides Mitch Marner, besides Captain Tavares, it was actually Hall, one of their defensemen that were making key blocks back there. This penalty kill really did shut down the Lightning in every opportunity possible. They made key blocks um, and they also were jamming up the net consistently. You saw about so many defensemen just kind of loading up in front of the net, making sure that no pucks got through or snuck through. So they also played an extremely tight game in front of Samson off yesterday. Mitch Marner had a key save on the power play, shutting down Nikita Kucherov and your top guys for the Maple Leafs ended up being Ryan O'Reilly, Tavares, Nylander, of course, his second game picking up a goal in a row. And as things start winding down, you see an all-star heavyweight fight between Tanner Janot and Luke Shin, former Bolt Luke Shin, by the way, who took on a big fight with Pat Maroon last week Tuesday when the Maple Leafs were in Tampa Bay. And it was kind of surprising because him and Pat have a great relationship. They're really good friends. But Pat Maroon made a comment on a segment after the fact and said, you kind of have to do that to let the team that you're on know that you know you represent the sweater now, you respect the sweater now, and you'll go to war for that sweater. So we know that Luke Shin is all in for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But to see this fight play out, It was more than just the entertainment of the fight. It's the fact that Tanner Janot was so questionable in in his ability to play, participate in playoffs, when he would make his playoff appearance. Then he comes back for game two, lands a huge fight with Luke Shin, and it was both guys got big hits in. But I have to say it looked like Tanner Janot's fight to win at the end of it all. Goes into the penalty box, a lot of chirping from Maple Leafs fans, a lot of back and forth between Janot and fans. So the game just kind of ended up on such a crazy, messy, emotional, rocky note. Um, But what do you expect when you're in Toronto and in front of one of the biggest fan bases in the league that not only will trash their own team, but will go over the edge to support their own team? That's playoff hockey for you. So Tampa Bay Lightning end up in two two man advantage situations where Toronto just had every opportunity in the world to continue to score. And that's where they picked up another goal in the third period and, um, you know, sealed the deal seven 2 victory for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We've got a split series heading back to Tampa Bay and game three is going to be huge because we'll keep our ears to the ground today to find out what may or may not be the case when it comes to Victor Hedman's undisclosed injury, where Eric Chernak, is injury lies if it's just the head and he needed extra time um, or more body maintenance. AC Mont looks like he'll be ready to go if his number is called again, even though Tanner Janot is back in the lineup. And after that, it's just whatever the guys can produce on home ice. Uh, Steven Stamkos did say after the game that it's a 1-1 series. We wanted to take a game here in Toronto. We did, and we've been through a lot. It's not a roller coaster of a series. It's manage the emotions, come back home, and now it's our turn to have a response game, something that they're very capable of doing because we've seen the Tampa Bay Lightning success on home ice. We've seen their ability to ramp up their power play and to see what they did with their power play in game one. To be able to do that on home ice in front of home crowd, we know that they're capable of executing on a whole nother level. If this team comes out in period one, regardless of the status of Victor Hedman or Eric Turnak and they don't get tossed into a special team situation, they don't get thrown on their heels within seconds of the game, and they have a a moment to just simply put their structure in play, then we're gonna be seeing a completely different game. Also, once you get past the first two games of playoff hockey, you're not seeing as much of these high-scoring games either. You're going to get more into that low-scoring contention. You're also going to supposed to see less penalties come about as well. And then we start getting into some real even-kill, even-strength hockey. So a lot to look forward to in Game 3. No panic buttons being pushed yet. Obviously hoping for the well-being of the guys that are out, but just trusting that this team has a way to continue to push through, and they didn't collect the nickname Tampa Bay Find ways for no reason. They've had the longest postseason run, so they know how to stay in the game and make things work in their favor. So home ice for the next two games is going to be significant for this Tampa Bay Lightning roster, but this split is even more crucial because it's not as bad as it looks. So I'm so excited for the coverage for game three and hopefully we'll maybe have another guest to dive in statistically to what to look forward to down the stretch. If you missed the episode with Ed and Cena, go check it out by downloading the Odyssey app, searching Pucks and Bolts, and finding that episode. He had great insight on basically where the team, more the Tampa Bay Lightning specifically, kind of outweigh the Toronto Maple Leafs emotionally. And quote me on this, Lightning fans. While the Toronto Maple Leafs and their fan base think that that 7-2 win speaks volumes, without the excuse of the Lightning being down two key defensemen, just keep in mind they weren't playing a team completely ready to defend anything that they threw their way, number one. Number two, when the Toronto Maple Leafs get on an emotional high and really start feeling themselves getting all cocky and stuff, thinking that game two was this immaculate result – their emotions will play against them. That cockiness will work against them in game three when they're in front of the Tampa Bay Lightning's fans on Tampa Bay Lightning home ice. So something that I completely agree with, with Ed and Cena and that last episode of Pucks and Bolts is that you got two different, different emotionally mature teams. And while they both have great leaderships in, deep, in different ways, um, I bank on the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning do so well being even killed not getting ahead of themselves, not getting too cocky, and their fan base doesn't do the same thing either. So something that might play a huge role in game three. And also the fact of they can change things around to where it could benefit them only having, you know, six defensemen and being down those two guys. Quick line change up where you can have your forwards playing a more defensive game and freeing some guys up to score is all this Tampa Bay Lightning team needed. When they started to lose their structure in game two, it was because Brandon Point couldn't really get free. Nikita Kucherov couldn't really get free. So creating those avenues is going to be what Coach Cooper will cue in on, I'm sure, if we see a line change heading into Game 3. But in order to stay up to date on all of the playoff hockey excitement, download the Odyssey app, search Pucks and Bolts, hit that auto-download button so that all brand-new episodes are just sitting there waiting for you. I'm Casey Hudson, and thank you again for joining me here on Pucks and Bolts. We'll catch you next time. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.